begin in our worship as we look at what we have coming up this week. If you have any prayer requests, please fill out the yellow sheet in your bulletin. Uh, also, too, that uh, we have a sh um, shelving out in the lobby for people from Helping Hands as we feed the hungry in Wichita. And also, too, we have change bottles out on the table in the foyer uh, for, tr uh, for tree ministries, which helps families and uh, single parents who have uh, needs for babies, uh, like diapers and cloth and stuff like that, to provide for them. We also have uh, hymns that shouldn't be forgotten. Steve has a website on, on the Internet, and we just pray that uh, there's a great opportunity for you to worship, and he gives you a background on the hymns. Also, Easter lilies, we have them here. If you'd like one for a loved one, please take one and, and, and love for them in memory of them. And then a reminder from the book of Acts, death could not hold him down. What a wonderful thing we have because of Christ. Let's, um, Steve, do you have the background on the Christ the Lord is risen today? Paul writing to the church in Corinth said, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This great hymn was written by Charles Wesley in 1739. Let's rise together and let's sing this beautiful hymn, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, be seated. Scott, would you lead us in our
confess those sins that they will be forgiven. Please join me in the prayer of confession. Almighty God, as we stand before you, we realize you see us as we really are in our sinful ways. The words we speak, the attitudes we have, and the actions we take fall way short of your perfection. There are actions we should take and we don't do them. There are temptations we don't want to do and we do them. Oh Lord, how we need your forgiveness. As we contemplate your resurrection, we find great hope in you. The fear of death we have is confiscated by the power of your resurrection. The shame of our guilt is swallowed up in the ocean of your mercy. The stain of our sin has been washed by the pure cleansing detergent of your blood. O oh Lord, how blessed we are to be completely free of all that and to live in the confidence of an assured future. All this we can experience because of the love you brought to us through Jesus' death on Calvary. This, almighty God, gives us cause to rejoice in you forever in Jesus. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning comes from 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 19. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take, and the ransom was paid not in mere gold or silver, as you very well know, but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Our guidelines for living also comes from 1 Peter 1, verses 21 through 22. Because of this, your trust can be in God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your hearts. Let's continue to worship our God and let's stand together as we sing these choruses.
seated. Let's sing our last song. <laughs> Jumped ahead of myself. Sorry about that. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the
this time we receive our morning tithes and our morning offering. Steve, Christ arose. Christ Arose, written by Robert Lowry in 1874. The scriptural text for this hymn is Matthew 28, 2-6. It says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became as dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the inexpressible gift that Paul says that you gave in your son on Friday. He died so that we could have life. We give you praise and thanksgiving for that and for coming out of eternity to do that for us. It's such a sacrifice. And Father, today I want to thank you that we have the privilege to be here to worship you. And I thank you too, Father God, that these folks are giving for the ministry of the gospel in this community. Lord, use these gifts for your glory and honor and bless these, your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his soul. 
Father, right now we also come to you with the needs of our congregation, people that we know, people that we love, who are in need of our prayer. I want to pray, Father God, especially, Lord, for our nation. Pray for our president, pray for our Congress. We pray for uh, all those in leadership, Lord, that they will follow the values that our early nation's fathers held especially with a constitution that has 95 references to the word and the Bill of Rights and also the Mayflower Compact. All those documents surrounded about you and the witness and work of the church and also bringing government under the leadership of God. I pray for them, Lord, that they will be given that wisdom. We pray also too, Father, for those who serve faithfully on the foreign fields of protecting our country both abroad and in our own nation for police and fire and EMS as they also serve. Father, watch over them, Lord, in the very treacherous times that we live and the craziness that goes on. Pray also too, Lord, for some of our sisters and brothers who are struggling right now. We lift up Lucille and we lift up Kay and we lift up... um, also our friend Frank and we pray for uh, Betty and and Howard in their battle with cancer. We pray also too Lord for Jack and we pray for Anne and for Susie. Pray for my cousin's son Tommy who had a liver transplant and that he can get back preaching and with his family soon and for healing. We pray about this COVID experience that we are having, Lord, in our country, we do in all around the world, that, Lord, that you'll continue to bring the numbers down and healing will come. We pray also, too, Lord, that those that we know that are battling uh, sadness and hurt, Lord, or the loss of a loved one, even though we know the hope that we have in Jesus, we still miss them physically on earth. And it's a difficult time, Lord, and I just pray that you'll Bring them the comfort and the peace and the strength uh, that they need during this time. I pray also, too, for those that we know that are battling addictions. I think of Ryan and Jordan and David and Brady and Eric and Ricky, those who are in the midst of battle. We pray for Everett and Sharon as they're coming out of the COVID experience right now. I think of Curtis, Lord, as he's going to have heart surgery and for Don, who's going to have back surgery. Lord, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your love. We thank you for what you've done for us. And Lord, if there's anybody out here right now that has a loved one that needs a prayer, whether it be healing or something's going on in their life, whether it's a marriage or a difficulty, Lord, hear our prayers as we lift them up by name. You know the situation. Now, Father, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to come upon us. And take the words that I say, Lord, and that you'll use them for your glory. We thank you that the privilege to be able to speak on your behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. From the day Jesus was risen from the dead, many people have had problems with it, even though had the
as the angel tells them and records to them what had happened. Entering into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting there at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were Do not be amazed. is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where he lay. Go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb and trembled and astonished had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Isn't it amazing to you that Jesus spoke to these people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and still didn't get it? Even after they come to the tomb and it's empty and they find the grave closed and they still didn't grab a hold of it. How many people today, though, even since Jesus' resurrection, have had a problem? Up to their time, their Jewish tradition was that they preached that they all worshipped on Saturday. But when Christ rose to the dead on Sunday, it shifted because the Christians wanted to celebrate the wonderful reality that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We also begin to see the reasons for many people's doubts. Sometimes our doubts come to us, don't they? Because of trauma that took place in our lives. Sometimes we can have thousands of excuses why not to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many times do we find ourselves hurting so bad that we find ourselves hard time trusting that that's what truly happened to Jesus? We're going to see that in later on in the sermon where we find out there's other people who had the chance, but God had a special purpose for that. You know, God has a special purpose for each one of us. And he has a special purpose for crises that happen into our lives so that we can come to know him deeper and on a stronger way and that our dependence is not on the things of this world, but on him. Isn't it wonderful when finally we have a disciple who's doubted so much and a week later he comes along and he finally is asked to put his hands in the side of Jesus and he falls down before Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. That man then went out and preached the gospel without any fear. In fact, all of them but one died for proclaiming that gospel. And you see, it's because a lot of people struggle with this is because they have no belief in God and they don't believe in his power. See, if you're view of God is small and he's not powerful, you're not going to believe the resurrection because God has the power to raise from the dead. That's what Jesus did. He rose from the dead by the power of God. And that because one of the things that Thank you. 
but that God does exist and that he can do the resurrection of Christ. There's rationalists who want to believe that maybe there is a God, but they don't want to believe that he can raise a person and that he wouldn't break his laws of a miracle. There's others who don't want to believe in the resurrection because they're humanists. They believe everything starts and stops with humans and that God has no intervention into the world. And then there are those who are basically existentialists who are liberals and who don't want to believe that the Jesus has that power and that it's all just a myth. But today we see the reality of what took place on that day. That day when Jesus rose from the dead, there were evidences and evidences for a whole time of 40 days when Jesus went about the earth and showed himself to his disciples and 500 people saw the evidence. Why is it that we have no problem believing that George Washington crossed the Delaware? Why is it that we have no problem believing there was a civil war? But why is it that we have a problem that Jesus rose from the dead? You see the same evidence. In fact, they're saying that more evidence is shown because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than all these other evidences that go on in our world that we take for granted and that we believe and that we need to examine that. But you see, a lot of times we don't want to believe because we know that it's going to make us change and that we're going to have to have faith and walk not by ourself, by trusting in the one who saved us, which is Jesus Christ. And there's things in our lives that we don't want to change, that we know are not right in God's eyes. There's other reasons why we don't want to change. There's reasons why we don't want to believe, because sometimes it's hard to believe when we have been hurt or when we see a trial in our lives. We begin to ask that question. Why God? That's why I wrote my book. Because people don't understand why these things happen to them. Why bad things happen to good people, and yet they do. And that they don't realize that God has a purpose in all of it. And his biggest purpose is for you and me eternally. And that he wants us to know him in the most intimate way so we can live forever and that our sins can be forgiven. That's why he has your best interest at stake. But we think our best interest, we know what. Now we've been going through a series on the book of Peter. And in the book of Peter, these people have become Christians. But they were being broken and punished, and they were being massively hurt by a man by the name of Nero. Nero was the emperor at that time after Christ left the earth, and after he rose, Nero was the leader, and he wanted to rebuild Rome. And so he started lighting it on fire, but the sad part about it is that people were rising up against him because they thought it was him doing it. And so he needed a scapegoat, and so what he did in 60 AD, he used the Christians and said that they were burning Rome down. And he really was using them as a scapegoat so that he could build this empire and make Rome look like this beautiful edification for himself. And these people were being persecuted. 
Some of them were being put on stakes and wrapped in animal skins and dipped in oil and burned so that when the people came over to have parties at his backyard and in the garden, they would watch these Christians burning and they would eat their delicacies. They'd also go down to the Colosseum and watch the lions eat the Christians. They also would pull them out of their homes if they wouldn't bow down to Caesar as Lord and if they were only bowing down to Jesus as Lord, they dragged them down the street in their chariots. And Peter is trying to help them. In the crises and the persecution to see the power that they could have in Jesus Christ and to stand firm in their walk with Christ during that time. And Peter tells them they are saved by God's calling them and through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for them and who loves them and wants them to be a royal priesthood. People who bridge the gap through other people in that Roman Empire to come to know Jesus. And that they're, even in the crisis, they're to submit. And so here we have it. And Peter, Peter says to them, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Peter says, don't be surprised as a Christian that this is happening to you. There are things that are going to happen to you that are tough and that are crises, and they're going to upset you. But they're for your testing, and God gives them to you. So that you can grab onto his victory in the resurrected Christ and have the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome it. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Rejoicing. Keep rejoicing that I'm being persecuted. Yes, because you see, God is using you to illuminate his glory in the world. And the more you are persecuted and you trust him, people will see the power of God working in you, even as you are rejoicing through the difficulty. And that these happenings on earth are nothing compared to the joy that you will receive in the last days with Christ. And that if they revile you for the name of Christ, you're blessed. You have a connection with Christ now. And his power in you that brings you peace and hope and joy that this world knows nothing about. And you have a security forever. And that the spirit of his glory, the Holy Spirit, works in you through those difficulties. Now I know when we lose a loved one or when we have a hurt or when we feel like we're being mistreated, it's very easy to be angry with God. But he has a purpose in that. Because he loves you. And he wants you to overcome this world. And experience his power in your life. We are living in a world that's a fallen creation. And that we have a curse that's over us. And that things do happen. Oftentimes I see that bumper stick that says stuff happens. It's not indiscriminate. God has a purpose in each and everything that happens in our life. 
even the suffering things. And in that, he uses it to draw us closer to him. If we trust him by faith, if we walk with him and hold on to him deeply, through our suffering may even be involuntary, but God is using it to draw you and me closer. And ever since mankind fell, you and I have the possibilities of these things happening. But realize they're just not stuff that happens. God has purpose in them for you. And he's working them in you to draw out much better and God-glorifying things in your life. It's those times that our faith can deepen, that we can walk deeper with him, and that we can exalt in the joy that he gives if we trust him. And that's where the difficulty lies. By letting go and letting him have control and allowing him to take over for us. We want to be able to control it and tell him and to dictate what he should do. And yet he's doing this for your best, for my best. And he's concerned for us. Look what he says. He tells us to live these exemplary lives. Make sure that None of you suffers from murder or thief or an evildoer or a troublesome member. But if anyone suffers as Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but to glorify God with his name. For it is a time of judgment begins with the household of faith, and it begins with us first. What will be our outcome for those who obey, do not obey the gospel? And, and he's saying that, even if we try to be religious, good religious people, it is very difficult. Only by the grace of Christ that died on the cross that we will be saved. Even trying to do everything the perfectly and doing it good doesn't save us because we miss. And here he says, if difficulties that the righteous is, is saved, what will become of the godless purpose and who does it? And Peter is trying to get them to see that you don't retaliate, you don't try to kill other people, but you tr truly try to walk in God's ways. And you live even through the trials that you go through. And that even though it's hurtful, you know, one of the, one of the hardest things was for the disciples to watch Jesus, who did good and was perfect, to die on the cross. And to see him suffer and die. Now there's a lot of people who say, well, Mel Gibson, for instance, we've talked about this before, said he had to cut six minutes out of his passion of Christ because it was so ruthless how they treated Jesus. But you see, even that, physical suffering was not what Christ truly suffered. What Christ truly suffered is when that darkness came on the cross. And when he was there on the cross at noontime till three o'clock, that darkness was showing us what God was doing to Christ. An eternity which we don't see, and that's why it was so dark. The perfect Son of God 
is hanging on the cross and God is taking all his wrath, all his hatred for our sin and the sins of the whole world and he is unleashing it on Christ. And that's why at the end of that three hours we hear Christ say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you turned your back? Because here the perfect Son of God, never sinned, is experiencing all the wrath of the Father on him because of our sin. And everyone who sinned in the name of Jesus, who have been forgiven, he took that on the cross. And that was the perfect Son of God who suffered in an unspeakable way. And I know we saw the passion of Christ and we thought, how could Jesus take that physical? That was nothing compared to what he took during those dark three hours on the cross. But because of that suffering and Jesus willingly going to the cross for us, we can have our sin forgiven and that we have eternal life promised if we trust what he did in those three hours on the cross and entrust him with that and that we're forgiven. And it's at that moment when we realize that and that we die in that hope with our loved ones, we know we'll see them again and that we'll have eternal life and then we'll experience a whole new way of living. And then we find that when we suffer according to the will of God and we entrust ourselves to him, that he covers it all. I was very intrigued by reading a story about in Norway, they were building this beautiful little chapel. It was four stories. And as they built the tower for this chapel, this young man who was working on it got not thinking and didn't follow his straps and fell four stories. And the church was going to be named the Church of the Lamb. And as he falls, there is a shepherd taking his sheep past that chapel. And this fellow falls four stories and plops right on this little lamb. Doesn't get hurt. But the lamb dies. And he realizes that that church, which was going to be the lamb of God, that situation reminded him that even though he was the one that fell, that lamb took his death and his hurt for him. And what a beautiful illustration of what Jesus Christ did for him. That he did not have to worry about those sins. 
because Christ in the darkness of that day on the cross took his sins and paid for them fully and that he no longer had to pay for his sin or to try to work his way through that the Lamb of God who we trust by faith saved him and that now as we live this life, the difficulties and the sufferings and the trials that you and I go through are there to draw us closer to God, to make us aware of how we fall short of His glory and how we need a Savior, Jesus Christ, who pays the price for us and who when we stumble, there are times that he corrects us and makes us see our stumbling so that we can receive the glory. And that we see as we walk through this life how the distractions of this world so easily pull us away from him and we think are so much more important than him until we realize that he's the most important thing. There's no other thing you could have. All the things in the world, God could give you everything you ever wanted. Money, fame, material items, everything. But if he didn't give you himself, he has given you nothing. Because in the end, There's no life after. In fact, it's death and hell. The Bible shows us that, that there is this place that's empty and dry. And I know that in this life, it can be that way for people. Because they haven't handed themselves over to Christ. And they've put all their, how could we say, all their marbles all their hope in those things of this life. And they come up empty. And they wonder why they're dry. And why there's no hope. And they're disappointed. Because of their desires are not met. And even after they've tried to all the indulgences, they're still missing something. It's because they haven't met the same. You know, sometimes we don't realize what we have and what we're missing until we don't have it. I remember, and this is many years ago when I was a little child. I had an uncle who was really a jerk. And I remember him saying to me, as he stood in the water at my other uncle's lake and said to me, jump. I was on a platform, a deck, overlooking the lake. And when I jumped trusting him, he opened up his arms and I went under. And I didn't know how to swim. And I was sucking wind 
trying to grab underwater and my lungs were filling up. And, and I, I couldn't breathe and, and I felt all this filling up my lungs and finally he's, I can feel his hands and he finally grabs me by the arms and pulls me out. Oh, I finally can breathe again. And you see, people don't understand. God is around us everywhere. And we are breathing life because he gives it to us. But they don't realize without that breath, we have nothing. And folks, he offers that to us today at the cross. And there are times I know that trials come in our life and it's very unhappy. And that there are times that we struggle with things in our lives. But what a wonderful thing God does for us. When he came to save us. And give us that life. Not only here but everlasting. And give us the strength to overcome our sins. One of my favorite episodes in the resurrection is with Mary. She's outside the tomb. And she is weeping, as most of us do when we lose a loved one. Here she has lost Jesus. Jesus who has been her everything. She has followed him. She has had so much hope in what he was going to do for Israel. And then he gets killed, hung on the cross. And here she is in the compassion of her heart and her love for her Savior. She comes to the tomb to anoint him with spices and take care of his body. And she finds the tomb empty. And in her mind, she's not remembering what Jesus said that he would raise from the dead. Instead, she's thinking that somebody stole Jesus' body. And she's crying. And she, as Jesus walks up to her, she thinks he's the gardener. And she asks him, where have you put his body? Have you stolen? And then Jesus says to her, Mary, her name. And immediately, she recognizes it's Jesus. And she does what all of us want to do. She runs over to Jesus and puts a bear hug on him. The one who she knows has died is now standing there alive and she's holding tightly to him. And Jesus says, stop clinging to me. And then he says to her, Mary, stop clinging because I have not gone to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. And Jesus is telling to her that his relationship was different. That's why he could die and save us all. 
and that her relationship with God was going to be through adoption. And Jesus' relationship with God was essence. He was God in the flesh. And that he needed to go and no longer could she hold on to him and hug him and be by his side every day. But rather, he needed to go to heaven so that he could impart his spirit, the Holy Spirit, upon all of us. And not only for her selfishly, but for everybody to experience Christ's power, his resurrection power inside of their hearts. And they could have a relationship with Jesus, all of us could. And that he needed to go. And this was difficult for her. And she finally entrusted him to do that. And I know there's challenging times in your life and in mine when it's hard to trust God. But he's given us, you see, and that's why he went to heaven in order that you and I could have eternal life and that the Holy Spirit could dwell in you and give you the power to overcome the difficulties in your life, the trials that he sends you to develop you and make you closer to him. And if you don't do it in the power of the Spirit and you don't do it trusting by faith in Christ, you know what you're going to do? You're going to become embittered. You're going to be angry with God. He's going to frustrate you. But if you put your faith in him and you trust and allow his Holy Spirit to develop that faith in you that even though you didn't like what happened, you know he's working for your good. And that he loves you and wants the best for you. You're going to trust him with that. You know, sometimes we get angry with God by things that happen in our life. But we don't understand him. He's omniscient. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. That's why he went through that terrible thing on the cross and entrusted himself to the Father so that we could have eternal life. And as he trusted the Father, so we trust God and Jesus for what he allows in your life. Don't look at it as a negative thing. Look at it a positive thing of what he's doing to refine you and make you his child and to make you in a stronger relationship with him. And in the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit, utilize that power to overcome that crisis, that difficulty, that hurt in your life that's still been a stumbling block and let him free you to enjoy. You know, I have a granddaughter who's very manipulative. She's five years old, seven years old now. But if there's something she wants to do, she'll crawl up into Poppy's lap and say, Poppy, if you really love me, you'll let me have that candy, even though her parents told her no. But I'll say no. Well, there was a dad who had a little girl that had braces on her legs because 
she was born with a deformity. And that because of her handicap, she needed to do her physical therapy to improve her walking. And one time, just like we all at times do, she got discouraged and didn't want to do it. And her dad was getting on her. And of course, she used that old manipulative phrase, Dad, if you really love me, you wouldn't make me do that. <laughs> and that dad said to her, Honey, I love you just the way you are. But honey, I love you also more that you will continue to get it done and I want to make you better. And folks, when God works in your life and he sends you those difficulties, he sends them to you because he loves you. And he wants to mold you. And he loves you more than you love yourself. And he doesn't want to let you remain the same. He wants to make you better. Because he loves you. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you right now. and I know on this Easter Sunday, sometimes that's a tough lesson to learn. We thank you, Lord, that you showed us as you went to the cross and as you went and did a difficult thing that you shared you really didn't want to have to do. You did it so that you could glorify the Father and you could make us right. And we thank you for doing that. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the power to break through stuff and the difficulties of life by your resurrection power through the Holy Spirit. And that we can change, that we can trust you, and that whether we live or whether we die, we're yours forever. I pray if there's anybody who's unsure where they're going to spend eternity, that today they will say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. I ask you to come into my life, and I want to live with you forever. Thank you for forgiving my sins and your promise to give me eternal life. I look forward to that day when we meet those loved ones who've gone on before me. Lord Jesus, thank you. And I pray, Lord, too, during this life and the struggles and the trials that we have, that we can thank you and rejoice in them, that you're refining us, you're training us, and you're drawing us closer to you and making us like your dear son. Help us to have that kind of faith, Christ, to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to invite all those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to participate in this, our Lord's Supper. Jesus wanted us to 
do this before he died, he took the Passover and he broke it down to the disciples and said he wanted to have them celebrate what he's going to do for them. One of the things that the supper does, it reminds us of God's love. And that this love he has for us that died on the cross, that gives us the grace, that washes away our sins. And that we don't have to worry as we confess them to him, he forgives us. The second thing he reminds us of, that this communion is a fellowship with him. And that we can have presence with him all the time because of the Holy Spirit. And we can speak to him every day. And then finally, that we celebrate this supper because of the hope it gives us. That there's going to be a day when we die. We'll be brought to the banquet hall. And that we will celebrate with Christ and all those who love Jesus, our loved ones. And have fellowship with them again around the banquet table of our Lord. And so Jesus gave us this reminder through the Lord's Supper. In which he gave it to his disciples and has given it to us to remember. And for the future hope that we have in Christ. The Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He believes in me, shall never die. Amen. And also the same manner, when Jesus took the cup, he says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled to wash away our sins. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that we can receive from your table today. And to know, Lord, you know all our brokenness and that you'll heal them. And that by also your blood you washed away our sins. We just give you praise and thanksgiving for that. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit now that goes before us. Help us, Lord, to live in relation with you every day with the joy of our hearts that you give. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our benediction and for our closing song. Now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen.